Hey, everyone. It's Vanessa, and I'm here to talk to you about Noom. Noom is a personalized weight loss plan. It's not just one size fits all. It takes into account your dietary restrictions, your medical issues, and any other personal needs. It's like a psychology plan. Just it meets you where you are. And it also recognizes that losing weight is really a mental process. It starts with your motivation and with your brain. Noom's approach is also grounded in science. They've published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles that describe their methods and effectiveness. So stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. You can sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes. It's available to buy now wherever books are sold. Campsite Media. This episode is intended for mature audiences. This is a story about thieving. About things being taken from you. Things you don't deserve to have taken. So to tell it, we're going to start with an actual robbery. A famous one. It's a robbery that took place in 2004 at a house in Bel Air. Concrete, glass, pool out back. This house is owned by a guy who founded a company you may have heard of, but you probably haven't thought about it in a million years. Now you can party with the wildest girls ever caught on tape. Girls Gone Wild. Yup, this is the home of the founder of Girls Gone Wild, Joe Francis. He's about 30 years old, sort of good-looking, square jaw, but also often seems on edge, like he's going to yell at a waiter. Tonight, he's not home, but somebody else is. If you entered properly, you would enter through the gate in your car. You'd pull up a driveway that's on a pretty steep incline. That's Riley Perez, and he isn't entering properly. I walk through the bottom portion, making sure no one's there. Go up the steps, master bedroom, huge walk-in closet, second bedroom, which was a, a little gym that he had set up. I'm looking for the safe, yeah, but maybe it's not in a safe, maybe it's in a drawer. Looking for a little lockbox, anything that could lead me to possible mini-DV tapes that would fit in the camcorder. Riley's looking for tape recordings of Girls Gone Wild that Joe might have in his safe. Crazy enough, the uh, smaller of the safes was open, so I don't have to fidget with it and try to come up with a combination. I open it, there's a couple of tapes in there, mini DV tapes. I'll take those with me, put those in the back. But Riley has more on his mind than some cassette tapes. He has in his hand a sex aid, a dildo, a specific type of dildo. It had gained the attention when it was profiled in Sex in the City. It was called the, the rabbit or what is it? A pink rabbit? I grab one. Ah, I'll put this to use. What Riley would do next with that pink rabbit would be so unbelievable, so ironic, that it would become the stuff of Hollywood lore. Because Joe Francis had been accused of exploiting women on camera, of making them do something they didn't want to do. And now Riley is going to make the same type of tape 
of Joe. He's come prepared with a gun. He's got a video camera. He's going to make Joe Francis lay face down in bed, and he's going to make him say these words. My name is Joe Francis. I'm a boy gone wild, and I like it up the ass. Lady, when you flush the Joe Francis toilet, there are just all kinds of stains. I'd like to first start out by saying that I'm 100% innocent of anything that I just pled to. From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Vanessa Gregoriadis, and this is Infamous, a rolling series of incredible stories told over several episodes. My co-host Gabriel Sherman is up next, but first, you'll be hearing from me. This is episode one of a five-part series, Boy Gone Wild. Now, we'll be talking a lot about what happened in that house in Bel Air later, and about Riley, who did that crime. But our bigger story here is also about consent and coercion and profit, and how people react when things are stolen. Now, back in the 2000s, that night at Joe's house, Girls Gone Wild wasn't about any of that. But the way we think about it now is so different from how we thought about it back then. The early 2000s were the height of what was called raunch culture. It's Paris Hilton flashing the paparazzi. It's Jessica Simpson saying that chicken of the sea tuna's chicken. It's lots of Kid Rock. Now, back at this time, a friend of mine wrote a book called Female Chauvinist Pigs. And that sums it up pretty well. There was this idea that there were like two classes of women. There were women who had to make money from the way they looked, and there were women who didn't. There were women who got exploited, and women who were too smart to be exploited, who'd gotten a good education and had sort of pulled themselves out of the natural state of womanhood, which was basically, according to the culture of the time, just being a hoe. Now, I had never thought about writing about Girls Gone Wild. Didn't even cross my mind. But right around this time in the early 2000s, I got asked out to a very important lunch. At least, it was important to me. It was with an editor from Rolling Stone. It was a very nice, fancy Italian restaurant on West 52nd Street. Bill Tinelli, my lunch date. It was like a very subdued Italian-looking place, but like more like Milan than, than Naples. Very muted shades of gray and probably beige. Bill's impeccably dressed. He's sort of a silver fox. I edited David Foster Wallace. He did a piece about John McCain, won a National Magazine Award for feature writing. He wrote Infinite Jest, which was you know, a big doorstop of a book. So yeah, Bill worked with David Foster Wallace, the guy who wore that bandana around his head and was immortalized in the end of the tour. I want to be a well-known author, just like those guys. And today, Bill has brought along a book as inspiration for me. But it's not infinite jest. You brought me a book about Cynthia Plastercaster. She made plastercasts of the... the genitals of rock stars. Better than an autograph. You were like, do you want to do a story about groupie? That's the kind of story I would have, I would have uh, uh, wanted to assign. 
whatever might interest Rolling Stones, you know, young male perverted readers. I don't know if this came from you or another editor, but like Slipknot had had a lot of groupies. So we're talking about like Slipknot. No, I wasn't going to hunt for groupies at 30 Slipknot shows. I wasn't going to stand backstage at one Slipknot show. So Bill and I just kept talking just about what else was going on in culture. That was a time when they had all these racy commercials for the Girls Going Wild VHS tapes. Warning, this video contains adult content not suitable for children. Climb on board the Girls Going Wild party bus and witness sexy co-eds getting naked in over 50 college towns across America. So it felt like Rolling Stones demographic, young people, young women, uh, and young guys urging them on. These are not hired actors or paid performers. Somehow, the world had gotten to the point where these guys holding cameras could ask the women to lift up their shirts or, or remove whatever articles of clothing, and then they would do it. It was like mind-boggling. And so then obviously the question was, there must be some evil genius behind this. Bill had figured out my assignment. Maybe you, you, you could find the evil genius, and I'm sure he'll talk to you, and you could write about him. Nobody had really, as far as I know, really had done a piece of journalism about, about that whole thing. You would have been a perfect choice for that, because obviously he'd be in love in like two minutes. And whereas if I'd sent a guy, it wouldn't have been the same. He wouldn't have given it up. More about that after the break. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. It all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. All the meals are chef-crafted, dietitian approved they're always fresh, never frozen, and unbelievably, they're ready to go in just two minutes. You've got more than 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. That's not including any of the 60-plus add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. That's right, no dishes. And they're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime, like if you decide to go on vacation or something. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com infamous50 and use code infamous50 to get 50% off. That's code infamous50 at factormeals.com infamous50 to get 50% off. 
This is Infamous from Campside Media. After my lunch with Bill in Midtown Manhattan, I went back on the subway to my apartment, cranked up my terrible dial-up internet, and found Joe Francis's contact. Now, Joe Francis didn't talk to us for this podcast. I reached out to him with about 70 questions, and he said that he categorically denied all of them. But back then, when I gave him a call, he answered. Hello? I said, hey, I'm from Rolling Stone. I want to come and be with you when you record Girls Gone Wild. I want to see how you do it. Why don't you come down to Florida? I wasn't using a tape recorder, so that is an actor. But next thing I knew, I was on a plane. I just thought it was going to be like any other reporting assignment. But what actually happened was so totally not fun. Though it was definitely wild. So it all started in Panama City Beach, Florida. My taxi pulled up to a Holiday Inn, one of those big hotels right on the beach, bunch of stories high, sort of modern architecture. I checked in at the front desk, and actually, the guy gave me a wristband, like one of those paper wristbands that you get at concerts. My recollection was that I needed this wristband to get into the elevators, and I thought, well, it is spring break. They're probably clamping down on drunken kids sleeping eight to a room. When I got into my room, I just put down my bags. I changed into a bathing suit, not a bikini, just a very demure one-piece. And then I went off to meet Joe Francis. He was 29 years old, a California guy. He grew up in Newport Beach, the setting of a pretty famous TV show, VOC. He went to Laguna Beach High School, the setting of another TV show. Next season on Laguna Beach. This is going to be the best year ever. Now, Joe's family was wealthy. They're actually Austrian. That's quite a regimented style of culture. But there was nothing regimented about Joe Francis. He even went to one of those hardcore remedial schools in the woods at one point. Joe was just super L.A. and maybe super difficult. And that combination, after he graduated college, made him perfect to work in Hollywood. But he didn't get a job in the mailroom of a big agency or something like that. What he did is come up with the idea of releasing his own VHS tapes. They don't think you should see this. Banned from television. Decide what you can see. Banned from television. Joe's series had all sorts of random stuff in it. See rampaging animals and the carnage they leave in their wake. Stuff that seemed almost a little unethical to tape record and sell. I'm talking shark attacks, gang fights. Don't let them decide what you can see. While he was screening footage for Banned from Television, there was something else that caught Joe's eye. It was footage from New Orleans, taken at Mardi Gras. And it was just woman after woman after woman flashing their boobs. Girls Gone Wild, Endless Spring Break. Joe was on the cutting edge of content, bringing the traveling circus to the masses. Almost overnight, Joe was minting money. I'm talking 
an enormous fortune. For minimum to buy, and all videos have a 30-day money-back guarantee. The first to receive the hottest girls going wild videos every month. Break on video for only $9.99. So when I go to meet Joe, right on the beach near the Holiday Inn, just in my one-piece bathing suit, I'm not really sure what to expect. But then I see him. He's in the center of a big group of kids. It's sort of like a Boschian horror show, a, a melee, just people downing shots, funneling beers, and he's just observing everything, sort of like me. He's got on a T-shirt, khaki shorts, not unattractive. When Joe sees me, he waves, and then he helps me get out of the crowd. We walk down the beach a little ways, just getting away from all the music, and I sit across from him. Both our toes are in the sand. And Joe tells me, Girls Gone Wild is going to be bigger than Playboy. The appeal of it is so simple. A lot of guys aren't turned on by nasty sex chicks with tattoos and piercings, and they're not turned on by the airbrushed, unattainable Playboy girls either. What we offer are girls you can touch. You can touch our girls. I thought about this as the waves lapped at the shore. Joe Francis's big innovation was amateurs. Let's just say you're a normal guy. You come here, you walk up to three girls, and these girls are probably not going to talk to you. They're probably not going to give you their number, and you're definitely not going to get to see their breasts. Not one guy who goes up to those girls is ever going to get to see their breasts. Maybe they'll get a phone number, but they're not going to get that. And we will get that for them. We fulfill that fantasy that guys have that they could just literally go up to a woman and make them show them their breasts. I was like, okay. I didn't know that was a fantasy. But, I mean, this was the days before internet porn, so I hadn't yet seen every single porn fantasy in the galaxy. But judging by the success of Joe's tapes, it seemed like it was a fantasy a lot of people had. And it was clear that this fantasy had a dark side to it. It was about power and control, making people do irrational things and not taking no for an answer. But it wasn't until much later that I would really understand what that meant. More after the break. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Payne. And I'm here to tell you that we're back with a brand new season of Up and Vanished, called Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun. In this newest season of Up and Vanished, I'm investigating an unsolved missing persons case in Nome, Alaska, on the edge of the Arctic Circle. Florence Okpialik, an Alaska native, was last seen on August 31st, 2020. And I've spent the last year in Alaska trying to find out what happened to her, putting myself in the most dangerous positions I've ever been in. You don't want to miss this brand new season of Up and Vanished. It is by far the most intense investigation I've ever been a part of. From Tenderfoot TV, Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun is available right now. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. So after talking to Joe on the beach, I went back to the Holiday Inn to change. And then that night, I met up with Joe again to hit the main strip. This was sort of like Bourbon Street or Beale Street, but we're in Panama City Beach. It's identical bar after identical bar, drunk kids spilling out on the street. Everybody's holding like bright plastic funnels or foot-long beers. It's not even really college kids here, I realized. It's a ton of high schoolers who packed into their cars and drove from Tennessee or wherever. And now they're sort of prey for Girls Gone Wild. Because Joe Francis is standing on the roadway, checking them all out. He's got a few guys with him, shooters. They're carrying tiny little camcorders and wearing a special t-shirt. This t-shirt has Girls Gone Wild in block text across the front. The shooters are also carrying another bag of t-shirts, except these are tank tops, and they're smaller, because they're for women. Oh my God, it's Girls Gone Wild! Is that like for real? Yeah, it's for real. Do any of you girls want a t-shirt? So that's the play. Hey mom, you know that Girls Gone Wild thing? He's gonna give me a t-shirt that says Girls Gone Wild if I take off my swimming suit top. Is that okay with you? I love you. On spring break, this tank top was like having a giant bottle of Jack Daniels. Everyone wanted a swig. All you have to do is flash. It was a status symbol, an ingenious trick. Because in order to put the Girls Gone Wild t-shirt on, women have to take off the shirt they're already wearing. So why not just do that for the camera? I need to ask you to show me your breasts, and I'm going to give you a Girls Gone Wild tank top. Now the shooters also hand the girls a clipboard. And pinned to that clipboard, there's a couple of pages. It's an incredibly complex legal document. What is this? Where do I sign? You know, these girls are half drunk. What they're signing are documents that give Girls Gone Wild their consent to film. Sometimes they'd also be filmed holding their driver's licenses to show that they're 18. Now, were these real driver's licenses? Or were they fake IDs the girls had bought to get into bars on spring break? Who knows? Who cares? As the night goes on, it's clear that Joe is even flirting with the girls, saying things like, Do you want to be my spring break girlfriend? Do you have a spring break boyfriend yet? We'll just hold hands and stuff. Let's just hook up a little, just for the day. We can just pretend, and it'll be like, over tomorrow, you know? But it's not all silly and fun and games. I remember there were a couple of women who did take their shirts off. And then afterwards, they were like, Oh my God, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm going to cry. Are you guys going to put me on TV? I was so heartbroken when I saw that. I wanted to talk to her, and she was crying. But she just ran off in the night with her friends. I have no idea if she ever made it on the tapes or not. And if I was going to sum up what I saw, let's say I witnessed women flashing 20 times. Okay, let me be honest. Most of them seemed like they were having fun. I mean, the definition of titillation, seems to me, is crossing pleasure with danger. 
And my God, this definitely qualified. But I would say one or two times I saw women get upset after they had agreed to take their tops off, Ben filmed, signed the consent form. And then they realized they just didn't want to do it. Maybe in the sixth bar that night, I realized that a couple of the women that Joe and the shooters were talking to were now walking around with us. And Joe was flirting even harder with them. To be honest, I I just didn't think that much about it. I was more thinking, I guess they're just going to keep doing the same thing all night. And I've seen it. I'm good. I went back to the Holiday Inn and promptly fell asleep. The phone was ringing. I was so groggy, but I grabbed the receiver, and I heard the voice. It's the front desk. They're telling me I'm being kicked out of the hotel right now. She's saying everybody connected to the Girls Gone Wild party has to leave. And first, I argue, because I say I'm not part of their party. I just happen to be in their block of rooms. I mean, like, I paid for my own room. I'm a journalist. They just reserved it for me. Then... It starts to dawn on me that something pretty serious must be going on, and as a journalist, I might not want to miss that. So I shove my clothes into my bag and head out. I open the door right onto a group of people in the corridor. There's a bunch of guys standing there, and there's just a lot of commotion. I'm told Joe brought strippers up to the room, and they didn't have those paper wristbands that I got during check-in. So he had a fight with the front desk that ended up with him cursing out the clerk. So the hotel is kicking him, and us, out. I peek past the ruckus in Joe's room. Get my Tallahassee lawyer on the phone! Later he'd tell me something about getting aggressive with lawsuits. And he also says that he delivers a classic Joe Francis line. Next time I come to town, I want this hotel renamed the Joe Francis Holiday Inn! All of a sudden, it's pitch black, and I'm standing outside the Holiday Inn with my roller bag and nowhere to go. One of the cameramen comes over to me. He says that they're staying together in a condo, and I can go there. So we all head over. In the condo, it's just a late-night hang. They're smoking, drinking beer, talking about this crazy night. And then they start going through their footage. Now, earlier, the shooters had told me that part of their job is logging all the tapes that they take. It sounded like a boring accounting sort of thing. But now it seems like they're just sort of re-watching the tape for their own personal gratification. As I watch, I start to realize that those women at the Holiday Inn, they might not have been strippers. Last night didn't end with everyone else going to sleep. It looked like it kept going the way a lot of Girls Gone Wild nights keep going which means that some of the women they met on the roadway went back to the hotel or to the condo with the shooters, and the shooters prodded them into hooking up with their female friends on camera. Are we going yet? Yeah. Yep. Our cameras, cameras rolling. We're rolling. Cameras okay. rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, let's have, let's have you go down on her, and then you two swap. Ooh, moan louder, scream, whatever. Right. Do a little, you know, gyration, and then right. we're good. <laughs> These are called scenes in Girls Gone Wild lingo. If you film more graphic stuff as a shooter, you get a commission. So was I watching pornography? Well, these women weren't being paid. 
And the official party line was that Girls Gone Wild videos are documentaries. Spring Break is a noteworthy public event. And Joe Francis is entitled to the same rights as any documentary filmmaker. This is a First Amendment issue. It's all really complicated. Most of the women I saw, it felt like they wanted to participate. But can a blackout drunk 18-year-old or less a 16-year-old who thinks that spring break is where you have to have a wild and crazy experience actually consent to hooking up with her friend on camera for Girls Gone Wild? Can she consent to a commercial act of sex that millions of people may watch? Or is it a sort of thievery? Are you stealing her image and slapping it on a pornographic tape? Sitting in that condo, just watching the raw footage with the guys who just filmed it, it made me feel queasy. But it was gonna get way, way worse. I just thought it was gonna be a bikini contest. I was tricked into a child pornography film. Next time on Infamous. I started from absolutely nothing, and I built all of my success by myself, and I've actually been a really nice guy. When you have a minion go up there and tell them they're gonna get this really great T-shirt to expose their breasts, you know, and then if you can kiss each other, give it a little tongue work with your buddy girl there, you know. Now I had a gun, and if you have a gun, the gun has one purpose, to kill him. Was I prepared to kill him? Yeah. Infamous is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. It's created, executive produced, and hosted by me, Vanessa Gregoriadis, and Gabriel Sherman. Shoshish Molovitz is our managing producer and editor. Rajiv Gola is our senior producer. And Lily Houston-Smith, Garrett Graham, and Grace Heerman are our associate producers. Some of this reporting appeared in Rolling Stone magazine. This episode of Boy Gone Wild was written for audio by Natalie Robomed and me. It was sound designed by Alistair Sherman, mixed by David Devereaux, and recorded by Ewan Lai Tremuen. John Daly is the voice of Joe Francis. Additional voices by Garrett Graham and Callie Hitchcock. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh Dean, Adam Hoff, Matt Scher, and myself. Thanks to PJ Vote and to Campside's operations team, Doug Slaywin, Aaliyah Papes, and Destiny Dingle. If you're enjoying learning about Girls Gone Wild, please rate and review the show. It is so helpful. See you next week.